You're listening to Alternative Thinking, Both Sides of the Coin, a production of the Canadian Association of Alternative Strategies and Assets, where we explore today's markets and alternative investments from two distinct perspectives. In today's talk, we have two industry leaders speaking on messaging and communication. We dive deep into how to communicate during these interesting times to private equity, portfolio companies, investors, and one's internal team. We also note some companies on the front lines in the fight against COVID-19. James Braun is the president and co-founder of CASA. All opinions expressed during the show by James and our show guests remain their own and should be used for informational and educational purposes only. Find out more about CASA at casa.ca. Hello, everybody. This is James Braun with CASA, and we're here with Corey Goldman of his eponymous Goldman Communications and Maria Pacella with Pender Fund Capital Management. And they're going to, we're going to be speaking about messaging in today's crisis economy and going forward. Let's start off with introductions. Uh, Corey, would you like to start? Thanks for having me on, James. Appreciate it. And always great to connect with you, Maria. Um, Yeah, my background, of course, is uh, Goldman Communications. It's what I started. And more recently, we joined with a firm out of New York called Vested, which does financial services, public relations. And Vested is now Vested Canada. So Goldman and Vested are one and the same. So it's kind of fun to be wearing that hat. And uh, what is not as much fun, which is certainly a challenge, is communications these days. And my uh, history of, of communicating goes all the way back to my days in journalism and writing about business and finance. And that's certainly one of the things that I'm uh, giving a lot of people counsel on these days, uh, especially in light of COVID-19 and the pandemic that has really truly impacted us all. So Looking forward to having some conversations about communications today. Great, thanks. And let's uh, let's hear uh, your introduction, Maria. Hi, James and Corey. Uh, good to speak with both of you today uh, during these very interesting times indeed. And yes, communications always is an interesting topic, but certainly today, um, very much so. Uh, so I head up all private tech investing for Pender Fund Capital, where we are a diversified asset manager based here in Vancouver. Uh, with uh, folks across the country and investors across the country. Um, So definitely uh, interesting uh, to engage in the conversation today, for sure, with both of you. Great. Thanks, Priya. Now let's maybe look into your your portfolio companies and how you're communicating with them. I imagine there's quite a few opportunities out there. And also on the other side with your investors and how are you uh, speaking with them about what's happening in your your uh, your funds, which I imagine are closed end, so they probably can't get out, but they probably would like as much information as they can. Absolutely. Uh, we have both open and closed end funds. Uh, certainly on the private side, um, a lot more closed end um, and a lot, lot more uh, long-term in nature investments as we invest in fairly early stage companies. So we've taken a number of steps um, in how we communicate with both our investors and our private portfolio companies. Uh, which we very actively manage. Um, so for, um, first of all, what, what we did um, was really communicate uh, via a whole bunch of means, um, uh, such as we're using today, um, but certainly emails, you know, personal phone calls. And then we did webinars. We did two last week, uh, one on fixed income and one on equity. Um, and we'll continue to do that kind of thing um, as often um, as possible. Um, and then we'll also continue doing our blogs and commentaries and, and podcasts as we've always done. So firstly, I would say what we communicated was how we prepared 
um, as an organization um, to help um, both our own employees and uh, our investee employees and our investors uh, to work through this time. Um, so at Pender, we took a number of precautionary steps a couple weeks ago now. Um, as of March 12th, uh, we started working from home um, and we suspended all travel for all staff as well. Um, and then we'll continue to assess that um, as we go um, and make any changes as necessary. So uh, we really wanted to reassure that uh, our investors that were well equipped um, to work from home and can continue to perform all investment activities, uh, fund administration, uh, compliance, accounting, et cetera, uh, right from home. Um, secondly, you know, we wanted to, across the board, um, no matter who our investors or investment advisors are, um, you know, share the message that we're sticking to our core investment philosophy um, as an organization. And that's really to continue um, focusing on the long term um, and on long term investing. So this is especially important during these volatile periods. Um, and this is quite an unprecedented volatile period where news is changing literally by the hour. Um, and so it's very difficult, um, I know, um, for everyone to sort of sit around and do nothing. And not that we should do nothing, um, but, you know, <laughs> during, during, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a difference of, uh, you know, doing nothing and then, um, you know, not uh, making very reactive, emotionally based uh, decisions, um, which is, you know, can very much happen to all of us. Right. Um, so, um, you know, there's a number of ways, actually, as an investment team that we've tried to address this. Our, our own fearless leader, um, Dave Barr, our CEO, actually made a great recommendation um, for the investment team. Um, and that is to start journaling, like journal throughout this time um, on sort of what you're feeling, what you're thinking. Um, it helps you kind of put your thoughts, uh, which might be, uh, you know, all over the place and very reactive. Um down on paper and makes it makes you sort of stop and think. Um, and then even importantly, um, when we look back at this time, um, we think we're going to learn a lot from that. That's great. Sounds like you got a, a book deal coming. Um, yeah. <laughs> how about you, Corey? Like you, you see the landscape too. And, and definitely um, what, what Maria is doing is, is focus on her companies and her investors. And uh, what, what are you seeing kind of a, across the board and alternatives of, and even in the in the like the long only land, which which fared a little bit worse, I think, than a lot of the hedge and and perhaps some of the PE funds. But uh, how are how are they uh, dealing with this crisis? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, there are a lot of similarities. And um, in terms of just the reaction itself, I mean, one of the things that's key, and Maria really nailed it, is the emotional response that people have. You know, whether you are the portfolio manager of a fund, whether you are the CEO of an underlying company, publicly traded or otherwise, that uh, investors have a stake in, whether you are the holder of those shares. I mean, everybody is taking this uh, recent crisis day by day, hour by hour with very little information. And the, um, the, the main instinct is to react, uh, to react, to be emotional. So I think that's the common thread. So from an investor's perspective, the idea is if you're going to be emotional, you're going to be like, say, oh, no, I got to sell. Or maybe it's, oh, wow, I want to jump in and buy. But whatever it is, there's an emotion attached to it as opposed to looking at the long-term horizon, the landscape, and sort of looking at your, your objectives. It's really the same in communications. Um, and that's what I've been telling a lot of our clients, which is 
rather than trying to communicate and send out a quick message every five minutes, every 10 minutes, there are some some companies and there are some individuals, frankly, you know, government leaders and others who can and should be giving us a lot more communication. But if you're not in that position, and hopefully you're not, then the idea is to take a step back and first of all, be very honest and transparent. And second of all, tell people what you do know and tell people what you don't know. And while most people don't like to hear what they don't know or don't certainly want to be told information that, you know, frankly, isn't really of value to them at a particular time, it's really about that honesty and transparency and saying to people, look, you know, I mean, at this stage of the game, this is exactly how we are responding. We are holding tight. We are reevaluating. And so that way, and it's really about communicating that kind of approach. So I think that's the commonality, whether you're long only, whether you're private, whether you're public, uh, or whether you're, you know, running an M&M's factory. I mean, that's pretty much, uh, it's, it's all kind of boils down to the same thing in this type of environment and crisis. Yeah, I was thinking uh, maybe from both of your perspectives on what this feels like. Uh, it seemed like 2008 slash the Great Depression. I mean, yeah, of course, I wasn't around for that. But um, we've heard on other podcasts, people said this is kind of like 9-11 for the human tragedy. Uh, what's happening there, but also 2008 for, and you know, this great financial crisis for the financial side. And it seems like governments and such have pushed both levers down straight down. Like let's, let's rock it on this side that interest rates low, lower a uh, couple trillion dollars. And also let's uh, let's ramp up the, um, you know, the, the health care and such and get, get medical care where it's needed. Does this, is, is that, True to what you think? Or? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's a great question. I think the message seems to be, uh, and I look, I think it's implicit no matter who you are or what profession you're in to kind of look at the past and try to come up with specific examples that maybe, um, you know, you can kind of say, well, that's what it was like before. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think has slowly started to emerge is that this is nothing like anything before. If you look at uh, other pandemics in the past, of course, they have happened and they have rolled out. And we've had things, you know, people obviously are comparing this one to the Spanish flu in the early 1900s. But you had a very, very different world back then and a very different economy. And I'm not an economist, obviously. But um, one of the things that we've certainly been telling clients is, you know, looking at the landscape and looking the at the types of fiscal and monetary stimulus, the types of measures that are being taken, all of these different things which impact everybody on a both a professional and personal level, you need to communicate to your stakeholders and to your investors exactly, you know, what it is that you feel the long-term trajectory of your own business and your own operations is going to be, irrespective of how that stuff may have played out in the past. So sure, yes, interest rates have been pushed down to zero. Absolutely. There's two trillion of US stimulus and hundreds of billions of Canadian stimulus that's now going to be floating towards all kinds of different places. Now that's that's a great message and it certainly speaks of hope, but at the same time, for your individual stakeholders, you have to say to yourself, okay, well, you know, what are my operations today? What are my operations in a week from now? What are my operations in a month from now? What are my operations in six months from now? If you can't honestly answer that, then you need to make sure that you communicate to the best possibility where you stand and how so that you're not putting yourself behind the eight ball. Great. And Maria, how about your messaging during this time to to your clients? 
Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think um, I have been around long enough to have seen all of those, um, uh, you know, big dips and, and whatnot right back from the, <laughs> oh, you know, I was five, um, the tech bubble bursting. Um, so there's, you know, a number of the downturns that, you know, affected, I think, more industries in particular than others. Um, right now, as we're in the in the middle of this crisis, it feels like all of those combined right now, frankly. Um, but certainly this one is a lot more uh, affecting us personally. And I do think a little bit like 9-11, um, and we can learn a lot from all of those um, uh, down cycles for sure, but like 9-11, where it really changed the way we traveled, for example, for a long period of time, mm-hmm. um, I think we're going to see a lot of that. Um you know, I'm a venture capitalist, so I have to be optimistic by nature. Um, I do think this time round, uh, we can turn to technology and uh, other inventions to hopefully help us through this and then post this to really um, prepare us uh, for other future um, cycles and volatility. What do you think of the, um, like the future of messaging? I've seen some reports that maybe some of these news Air, news uh, newspapers and such might go under. Uh, I guess they're not selling many papers. Everything's online. Where everything's free, and so how do you how do you charge for that? Um, we will emerge from this probably in say long end twelve to eighteen months. It'll take a while for things to get back to normal. But there's some industries that of course will be will be forever changed. I think one of those might be news. What, what, what do you think, Corey? I think it's a good point. I mean, I'm certainly no uh, analyst when it comes to the you know to the media sector in general. Um, I have lived through uh, more than more than the number of years that I would like to admit in terms of watching an industry that has slowly but surely been shrinking in size and has been struggling with revenue. So there's no doubt there. Um, I think the, the the question, you know, really is, um, you know, where are people getting their information from and what will they be relying on and gravitating to once things do recover and pick up? And one of the things that I think people have to keep in mind and are certainly uh, I think, uh, keeping in mind from a long-term perspective, is that things will resume. It may not resume in a V or even a, uh, a hockey stick or an L, but it will eventually pick back up. What you're already seeing is a significant fall-off in revenue from advertising, and that's simply a reflection of the economic reality. So companies, even like Facebook, who uh, obviously do quite well in terms of ad revenue, they've seen a drop because just from an economic perspective, the companies that are advertising with them just don't want to spend the money or can't afford to, or in some cases, maybe you're going out of uh, business. But I, I, I think the, the bigger question, you know, really is, um, you know, is in terms of, of, of where and how people are going to actually be communicating going forward. One of the things that this crisis has uh, provided an interesting window into is exactly, and Maria touched on this, how do people talk to each other? How do people communicate? How do people share information? And it's not just news and it's not just media sources. It's through virtual uh, dialogue. The, you know, There's uh, virtual platforms and the technology is only improving. And certainly people are realizing, I'm sure through this particular moment, that there are a lot of ways to improve on it. And those things will be <laughs> will be looked at more closely. So um, you know, I think that that there's definitely some um, some will be some consolidation uh, and some changes in terms of how people receive their information, and that includes me, obviously, and how I advise clients in terms of what kinds of communications they should be giving to people. Um, but by the same token, and I think this is 
something that the media industry in general has always followed. Mm-hmm. It, where one door closes, you know, five might open. And so there will be new ways of doing the same thing. And hopefully, uh, hopefully at least, um, what I always hope for is an objective way. You want to make sure the information you're getting is clear, objective, and uh, uh, you know, all-encompassing and not biased. Great. Now, Maria, when you look over the divider in your office, uh, I'm assuming there is one, between your uh, private markets uh, team and the one in the public markets, how, how are they maybe doing things differently over there? Because they would have, obviously, the the investors would have the opportunity for redemption at almost any time uh, compared to yours, which might be closed end for eight, 10 years. Um, Can you comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So for sure, very different um, worlds in many respects. Um, But, you know, again, as I mentioned before, our approach is the same in, in that um, we always try to reassure and, and speak of the long-term nature of our investment mandate and how we look at uh, investments. So on the, certainly on the public side, it's much more reactive. So it's a lot more conversations um, dealing with that emotional aspect of wanting to take action, right? Uh, when you hear a, a la- the latest announcement um, from a government or a latest stat that was developed. Um, and so the public side is definitely... Um, very busy during market hours, very busy having investor uh, discussions, um, investor and advisor discussions all the time, um, and and trying to guide um, everyone um, back to, um, and there's this sort of reversion back to good investment principles and, and business principles, and really how we really look to invest in um, businesses where we really understand the underlying value and those drivers of the business, and then buy and sell based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that hasn't changed regardless of the market cycle. And in fact, you know, besides obviously the focus on liquidity, um, which is especially important right now, um, we can be opportunistic that way and, and look for uh, good value opportunities at the same time. On the private side, it is actually really stepping up our active management game. Um, we, on the private side, we're generally on the board of these companies, um, and we actively support them in good times and in bad times. So right now, what we're doing is working really closely with the management teams of our portfolio companies and helping them with key decisions and adjustments in their business, which ranges everything from also helping them put in their COVID-19 response plans to helping them adjust their operating plans to preserve cash um, and develop contingency plans. Um, look at staffing plans, et cetera. It might include, you know, reviewing um, and adjusting product development um, and roadmap plans to conserve cash or even actually to advance development um, to assist customers in pursuing new opportunities um, that have actually recently developed because of the crisis. And also, um, uh, this is uh, quite timely, is reviewing all the government assistance available to see how these can help the companies and their employees right now, as most of these companies are sort of small to medium-sized businesses. So really um, communicating what we're doing um, to help these portfolio companies and how they're doing is what we do um, with investors on that side. That's awesome. Let's talk about, talk about the opportunities. Um, are there new ones that you're looking at? Um, like you mentioned, uh, there's, there's some that are doing ultrasound that may be being used 
uh, or there's in the in the uh, the cloud area. There's uh, there's obviously a lot going on there. Um, do you have any any particular areas in that? Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, Clarius Mobile Health, um, very exciting opportunity that we're already invested in. Um, so I'm quite proud of the work that they're doing right now in the front lines of the crisis. So Clarius is a provider of portable wireless ultrasound scanners and applications. Um, so it's uh, discovered that uh, ultrasound has clinical utility in the management of COVID-19, as it could be used for lung scanning and pneumonia detection. Um, so, so far, they've actually shipped uh, some of their devices to various hospitals wow. in Canada, um, which is fantastic, um, trying to also distribute to Italy and Spain, um, and just started in the U.S., um, so that's fantastic. Um, unfortunately, they are um, been impacted by the supply chain challenges because a lot of the parts come from China. Um, so they already saw this, you know, happening uh, a few months ago. Actually, um, now China's uh, come back. Uh, a lot of the suppliers have come back online, but slowly. And um, you know, a small little company in Burnaby um, doesn't necessarily have the clout um, mm-hmm. to go to the front of a. Of the line, so hopefully some government assistance can help with that um, to get the part, so we can assemble and deliver more product. Um, so that's that's an exciting story. Um, another one of our companies um, in a different portfolio is uh, really uh, working on um, what I call the the plumbing technology um, protocol technology that really helps a lot of the work from home initiatives um, allows that high performance uh, computing workloads in the cloud. Um, and they're working hard with uh, a number of companies, a lot of the, the services we use today to help deliver, um, you know, the podcasts, the, the processing, et cetera, in the cloud. Um, and they've seen a great uptick in their business. And it's all software for the most part. So it can be delivered uh, without having, you know, those supply uh, chain challenges. Well, wow, that's fabulous. Um, how do you do uh, on new investments? How would you do diligence, though, on a company if you can't really go there? For the foreseeable future, a few weeks at least, or like, how are you on new deals and uh, new transactions? Yeah, so that's uh, that's interesting. So last week, in fact, um, we conducted three days of diligence on Zoom. Um, so so far, that seems to be the one um, that's working the best for us. Um, so it's been interesting for sure. You know, I think, um, and there's a lot uh, written out there by a variety of venture capitalists. It's going to be, frankly, hard to look at investments that were not already in our pipeline, like we hadn't already been looking at for a period of time. Um, so completely raw new investments uh, might be hard this way. Um, we have to think about that, but certainly uh, companies that we were already tracking, um, you know, whether it's you know using the video conferencing services, whether it's uh, looking at diligence materials you know, online through various storage facilities, that's all very possible. And, and fr- you know, frankly, we were already doing a lot of that already um, because we actually make investments um, all over the country. And you know what's interesting? Um, to your point, Maria, that's an excellent uh, uh, point on, on our end, at least that we're talking to our clients about, which is how critical transparency and communications is at all levels because when it comes to due diligence some of the things that you're looking for and you're always looking for i mean obviously you need to get in the door kick tires and really physically see people and things but at the same time there's also the peripheral information and messaging that they're sending out and so when a company or its employees or other people outside of that company or organization 
are putting out tweets or sending, putting out blog posts or being quoted in the media or saying certain things, that's all going to be part of the historical and permanent record of how they are viewed. And so it's very important to have a very consistent, precise, and most importantly, clear and and transparent message, depending, and not just about what it is you're doing, but also how you're doing it. So whether it's launching a product or how a product works or where something is being implemented within a specific type of sector. So for instance, the ultrasounds and how they're being utilized in the COVID-19 and, and recognizing it being in, uh, in people's chests, or if it's something more of an immediate response, you know, all of that, I think, and stop me if I'm wrong, you know, lends itself well to that ongoing due diligence and likely will going forward. Absolutely. And, and you know, um, you touched on this earlier as well, um, on kind of that leadership quality that we need to all see and see demonstrated and demonstrate ourselves um, as examples, right? So uh, during the diligence process, um, and what we always look for is how are the management teams leading their own teams during this crisis, right? So now more than ever, we need those great leaders. Um, and so how they communicate um, with their staff, with their customers, um, how they, um, you know, can demonstrate that uh, gratefulness, um, that compassion during this time, but yet, you know, and also be authentic. So, um, you know, can be, uh, have that uh, optimism, um, but based in a reality of where we are today. Um, and then we see leaders um, that can show uh, great re resourcefulness and creativity during these times. So these are all things that can be, dis you know, demonstrated in how they communicate. Absolutely. And it's important. I mean, even on uh, uh, a very large scale side, it's been interesting through this crisis because, you know, obviously you want to communicate in the best possible light and be a leader in terms of your own organization. At the same time, there are... Um, stories that they may be good and they may be true and they may even be a story that a particular company or leader wants to tell and yet they can be construed as a somewhat tone deaf in the current environment so just as an example and just some you know something to be cautious about and something that i've been talking to my own clients about is even though you might have an awesome story and it's going to sound great if you're not sort of looking at it from the context of this ever-changing world that we are currently in and it, it'll calm down as we all hope but in the current environment you know you end up risking frankly a pr disaster because you might be talking about or speaking to or even promoting an idea where you are talking about something in a, the wrong environment at the wrong time and of course that's a reflection back on your own judgment and leadership so it does i think very importantly tie in yeah, for sure. And that ties to that authenticity, right? So it's also okay to say when you don't have all the answers, right? Um, and, um, you know, there's no, there's no benefit from that false optimism for anyone. Um, so, uh, you know, I think sometimes the answers, and again, the context, as you say, is important, is that we just don't know. We're trying and we're figuring it out and then we'll communicate. Hey, right. as, as you guys are speaking, actually, um, I got a, a, I saw the heading on an email from a conference organizer I, we work with a lot, and she literally just said all of that. Here's what's been happening. We don't know all the answers. We're with you. We appreciate your business. We love to 
get things going once things get back to normal. And I was like, wow, at least this is exactly what the messaging that that the, the pros, uh, you know, suggest. So um, I think everyone is, uh, uh, people are starting to, to, uh, to take that and internalize it. Maybe it's something that you'd always do anyways, but um, having that actual, sending an email to everybody on your list that uh, we're all kind of in this together. And um, uh, instead of here's, here's the latest, uh, you know, uh, virus count or whatever it might be. That's, uh, but actually to, uh, to look ahead. Um, hey, Corey, like what, so who's maybe your best client? Is it somebody that, that comes to you now and says, Hey, uh, you know, we got to do some messaging around this stuff. And you're like, okay, here we go. This is going to be a big, it's going to take us, take some time and get things together. But it's, it's, um, you know, somebody that really is, is in need or, or is it somebody that, that, um, has um in better in, in like more placid times is like yeah we're looking at doing some some sort of messaging what what do you suggest and then uh fashioning it over time well first of all james i mean you nailed it i mean that email from that individual if there's one thing that we might be able to look back on at least from my position as a guy in the communications business if i could look back on with a bit of hope once we're through all this, is that people will learn because we are all in this collective crisis together, that honesty really is the best policy, you know, and as you mentioned, she was just being honest, you know, they can't have the conference right now, they don't have all the answers, they can't guarantee it'll be going forward. And that's the way it is. And if people communicate more like that, um, then, you know, maybe I'll be out of a job, which I actually wouldn't mind, if that's going to be the case. But, but, you know, to your question, um, I think, you know, I've had the gamut, you know, I've had on some levels on the positive side, I've had clients and prospective clients contact me saying, we have done great in this market downturn. Our returns are awesome. Um, and when I say awesome, I mean, they're not down 20 or 30 or 40%. And they want to advertise and communicate that. And my message to them has been, I don't think that that is a good idea least not yet. And that's because you don't want to jump in up and down, uh, you know, after uh, a storm and after uh, a boat is capsized and scream and shout that you survived when others did not. It's <laughs> kind of common sense in a way, but for a lot of people, well, <laughs> hey, I'm good at analogies. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people, I think, have a tendency to want to espouse their their positives and of course that makes sense but you do have to keep it in context on the flip side i've had other people who have called and said i don't know what to do i don't know what to say my business is basically wiped out uh or you know my returns are so bad i don't know where we're going to go from here of course this was in the darkest days of the markets in the middle of march um you know third week of march and my, it was the same advice that I gave, which was just hold tight. And Maria had already mentioned this, and I had said it at the time, and it always rings true. Be honest, be transparent, and you know, wait for the dust to settle because it always does, and then you can communicate your message. Uh, yeah, that's sage advice for obviously someone who's been through quite a few of these markets, whether it's been market downturns or or other other types of crises. Um, and then to uh, like Maria, what what are you telling investors? Is it is it long like there's long term and but short term? Wow, when are you talking about when this might start to turn around or uh, uh, when your portfolio companies will 
will uh, come to fruition or is it then just whatever might happen happens and then have you have a few stories about uh clarius and and teradici that uh teradici that are that are coming around see before i let you answer maria i'm going to tell you or i'm going to caution to our audience that no you should not be uh you know forecasting or projecting you know when things are going to turn around because <laughs> that's what a pr guy does <laughs> uh, and i'm and and your know, you'll be very happy to know that we listen to you <laughs> so <laughs> i mean you know in general at pender we don't we've never considered ourselves as uh you know macro type investors and making bets on the larger macro environment like we think that's really hard and there's enough hard things to do in our day um so we can't predict right the only thing we can do is stick to our investment discipline um, which i mentioned is looking out for the long term really investing in industries in markets in companies that we really understand uh, we really believe in um, we really understand what price we should be paying or selling at as the case might be um, and kind of sticking to our knitting that way um, and, you know, remaining uh, disciplined and calm, um, you know, communicating what we do know um, and then basing our actions on very measured approach to information that we learn. The good news is, you know, I, like I said, the investment team has been through a variety of cycles. So that really helps for sure. On the private side, you know, we don't tend to react day to day anyways, because it is not, you know, we don't have a market price that uh, we're worrying about that's posted day to day. But certainly these are what we worry about is more the, the fundamental business impacts. Right. So um, it's really about cash conservation um, and uh, making sure there's runway to see through to um, uh, the past this crisis. So what we're doing is, frankly, just running a lot of scenarios with their companies. You know, is this going to be three months? Is it going to be six months, 12 months? Um, and working through um, you know, some tough decisions. Um, so that's the other point, too, I wanted to mention on communications is uh, there is just communicating um, not only um, what we're doing, um, but how the companies themselves, um, as they're making decisions with their staff, with products um, and how they communicate that um, is extremely important as well. Um, and that needs to be done sort of decisively um, in a very, uh, you know, in, in this day and age where we can't do it in person, um, it has to be done and thought through on how to do that in a very sensitive um, professional manner. Well, that's it for my questions. Thank you very much, Maria and Corey, for your, uh, for your insights into this, this crisis and going forward, how to do messaging to your, investors to uh to the public at large um and we'll thank you thanks again for taking time out of your busy days for this and we'll look forward to having you in another podcast uh later on thank you thank you thank you